Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass. UMass fans, gear up for game day and support our partners who back the collective in UMass. Make your game day complete with visits to Joe's Cafe in Northampton, JP's in Holyoke, The Spoke in Amherst, and any of the four tandem locations in Western Mass. Let's show our support. Welcome back to Commonwealth Conversations Everyday Minutemen Stories. I am your host, Nathan Strauss. As always, brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective and joined by a name who you'll likely be familiar with uh, if you are a UMass product in the last two decades or so or have spent any time reading about any UMass team. Or, indeed, if you're a Boston sports fan at all, because this man cranks out news <laughs> reporting about every Boston team uh, known to man, sometimes writing about three or four teams from one press box uh, at, at the same time, it is UMass alumnus Matt Vittor. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on. Hey, no problem, Nathan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. It's, it's a uh, yeah, fun time of year. So... Right now, you're a, an award-winning journalist uh, at Mass Live, but you cover. Yeah, but we are laying it on thick today. Wow! <laughs> I always do. I always do at the beginning, and then and then I ask the hard-hitting questions coming on. Uh, I try to give each person, you know, thirty seconds worth of praise to just like you know ease them in. Um, but award-winning journalist at Mass Live, but you cover. You're tasked with four different teams, the, the four major beats um, at at mass live how do you cover four teams at once in that way so i'm a columnist and which means uh which means that i do bounce around which is really fun um it means that my there is no such thing as a typical day or a typical week we have we have really good beat writers uh, across the board and so really some of my best ways to be informed and to be to to come off smart is just reading our, our reading our own guys um, and we do have a uh, we do have a a terrific staff in in that respect. And then it's really it's, it's just kind of um, it's kind of watch as much as I can, listen as much as I can, and um, and and just stay on top of it. It's one of those things where like before I had this job, I would do that for fun. I would still be reading. Um, I would still be reading as much as I could. That, that's it's kind of I consume journalism both because it interests me. 
and because I like to read uh, to read good writing and things that that you, you read enough good good journalism and it'll it'll seep into your head and that that's valuable for me for obvious professional reasons too. So let's take it back to where it started. You, you're a student at UMass from '92 to '96. Where did you grow up, and why UMass? Um, so I went. I grew up in Westboro. I lived in. I lived in Everett till I was ten. Westboro through high school. Um, but Westboro feels like the the formative years, obviously. And so I chose UMass. I looked around and applied to a a bunch of places. I knew I wanted to be in journalism, um, even coming out of from high school. And so one of the big appeals for me and one of the things I was looking at for different schools was like the idea of a daily newspaper. The Collegian was a was a was a big appeal for me. And I'll be honest with you, when I toured UMass as a student, it was a nice, I think, kind of late summer day. And we walked around Amherst and it just felt like in my head the way college was supposed to feel like like I liked the college town I liked the campus like the idea of a of a daily newspaper I remember like we walked down in the, the the collegian was in the campus center basement as as I'm guessing most people most people listening to this it was during their their time um and so we walked down it was it was closed at that point but like you could see uh, just walking down, seeing the office, and there were like stickers, and there were there were some like scrawled on some things, inside jokes I didn't get, but I recognized this was like it. it you could even just from seeing the, the 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 structure and seeing the thing feel like this was kind of a community, and it just felt like something I wanted. Um, I I wrote for my high school newspaper, and even like a little bit for for a town weekly, um, then, and I've kind of known this is the life I wanted for a long time. And I feel really lucky. I've, I've been able to, to kind of be living that life. I've, I've, I'm kind of living. If you told, you know, 17 year olds me that this is who I am and this is what I'd be doing. I'd be both excited, but not all that surprised. Like it, it felt like this was when you're 17, you think you're going to get to do everything you wanted to do anyway. And so I've been really lucky about that, but I, I kind of knew this is, this is the path I wanted to be on. Have you have you seen the new collegian offices in the? I haven't. It's it's kind of between COVID and um and you know and some other things. I've I haven't been in Western Mass as much as I as I usually would. I I was out to um I was out to do a Don Brown preseason football story this year, and I timed it on a day that I had a a meeting to attend at Mass Live at the Mass Live offices in Springfield. Um, and so, but I was, I really, I was on campus for a really short period of time, which, you know, normally I would try to, you know, just spend a little bit of, of time just to, you know, go get Antonio's or, or, or something. And I wasn't able to, to do that quite the same. So I was, I was there for football practice and, and that's that I, I haven't been in there yet. So at some point I'd like to, to, to try to, to, uh, to see it and just, it'll be weird. Cause it'll be, it'll be like, well, Hey, good for you. I'm glad that you guys get to have this experience, but I'll be, I'll be a little bit sad to know that. If you were to go into the Collegian offices right now, if you went over to one corner and removed one of the tiles from the ceiling, um, you would go up there and you would find all of our name tags from a Collegian reunion one year that we'd created this sort of, like, I don't know, we were just being stupid, but uh, just we kind of created this little time capsule of all of our names that we figured at some point somebody would push on that accidentally and all of a sudden all of our names would rain down on them and now the collegian's not in there so um so someone's going to find that in a, in a 
weird situation somewhere down the line. But it would be it'll be nice that they have a better setup. It would make me sad to think I can't walk into the Collegian the way it used to be, the way it was when you know when I was twenty two. <laughs> Now, you were a student in 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, and that obviously coincides with what many would call uh, the probably the best. If, if, if you asked a student, which four years would you like to be <laughs> a sports journalist at UMass? Uh, I think that would probably be a four-year period that would be close to the top of everyone's list. What was it like as a student uh, in the Cal years uh, to, to be on that beat and to, to cover a team but as a student, so I mean, I used to argue with a, with a with a friend of mine who was a freshman when I was a senior, who said that going having if you were there from ninety six and ninety eight at the same time, you could have been there as a for, for the final four for fo- for basketball and the national championship for football, which is would is would would have been a funny four years too. I fortunately got to experience them, them both as a as a journalist, but. It was it was really interesting because it was. I remember um, I there used to be this rule at the Collegian you could cover the the basketball team for one year. That was it was like because uh, everybody wanted an experience at it, and so you you got it one time and then handed it off to somebody else. So I did it as a junior, ninety four, ninety five, and I would argue that's probably I think that was the best of everybody will will look at and say well the the 96 team went to the final four and they did and that was an amazing season but in terms of the best basketball team I think 94 95 was better they just kind of they had they lost the they lost Mike Williams to the suspension at the end and they were had guys that were they were injured at the end but it was a pretty amazing time to be there as far as learning to be a professional journalist because everybody was there I remember sitting in the um press room for the post game of UMass Arkansas Arkansas was number one UMass um was number three in 94 and 95 to, to start the year and and looking around and like there's people from like the New York papers Dick Vitale's there all of the Boston Globe guys that were, were there at the time and just looking around and being like this is I am sitting among some some big name people and Nolan Richardson came in first to do his press conference. And I asked like the first question of that press conference, cause I was terrified. And I was like, if I wait and other people start asking questions, I'm never going to do it. And so like, I jumped in for the for first one. Um, it was a pretty generic question, but I just didn't like, I, I felt like this was, this was like a litmus test moment to try to do something. Um, or I was going to be scared the rest of the time. And it, I, I think that <laughs> That moment still just kind of sticks with me, I think, because of that. Um, and it just it was it was great to be able to compare yourself to all these other people covering the covering the same thing because it was it was such the Boston sports teams at the time weren't all that good. Um, and UMass UMass was not only unexpectedly good, but Calipari was compelling. And so from from a learn how to be a journalist standpoint, it was. It was a cool time, and it was it was great for me too over those four years because I worked with some people at the Collegian that were just really really good. Um, Dan Wetzel, who's a columnist at Yahoo, was was the um, was there when I was when I was a freshman, um, and other guy like Mike Morrissey, who covered the Yankees for the for the New York Post for a long time, was was the um, was there Art Stapleton, who covers the Giants now for 
for the North Jersey Herald uh, was was on our was on our staff. Mike Reese, who people are, uh, around here will know, covers the Patriots for for ESPN. I mean, Mike Reese and I make collegiate jokes all the time. I, I see him in in, in Foxborough. Um, so it was a great time to be there, not only because of what was going on, but we had such talented people that wanted to be sports writers that I was learning from other students, which was which uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure things that I learned or took from them. Um, Art Stapleton specifically still kind of are, are part of who I am as a as a writer. That's a good this that's a good segue to a question that I wanted to ask to wrap things up later on, but I'm going to bring it in now instead, because it's something that I think about all the time. Obviously, like I, I know from firsthand experience, uh, you know, Mike Reese has come back to talk to, to, to MUA, but between WMUA and the collision and probably the collision and the WMUA, UMass really punches above its weight in terms of alumni who work in sports media. And whether it's the people who you were mentioning there or folks from my time, Molly Walker, Amin Tori, uh, sure. Evan Marinovsky, Noah Bortle, Lulu Kessins at the ringer. Um, I can throw myself in there if I'm feeling incredibly generous, but uh, you know, it, it seems like for a school that is not typically thought of as amongst the Mizzou's, the Syracuse's, the Northwestern's, the Arizona States of the world, that UMass really churns out high quality sports journalists like no one's business. Uh, what is it? about UMass and like the experience that we get here. And I say we, because I think we both had it in, in different ways uh, sure. that, that lends itself well to that. So I'll say this, I don't know what happens at Syracuse and I don't know what happens at Missouri or, or, or Northwestern or Indiana that I do know they market themselves pretty well. And I don't know if it's a marketing question because I got a really good journalism education. Like, and, and, and it's not, it wasn't just the collegian. I, like I, this the professors in the in, at UMass were were really good, um, and the things that I've kind of said to like other people that um, I, I've talked to a few you know few high school kids at, at times that are like I'm interested in going into to journalism and interested in UMass, and one of the things I say to them is you're going to get out of it what you put into it. You're not going to get a job because you have a UMass degree. But you, if you go to UMass, you're gonna, you're gonna, you have an opportunity to gain a ton of great experience, work, you know, work with some some really smart professors, and and pro, you know, probably the 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 whole the the student media thing, like anything else, it's on, it goes on cycles. You you have some really good stretches and and some stretches where where the the people are younger and and less and less experienced. But but if you go into it wanting to be good. It's it's gonna be it's um it's gonna be there. We we there was a group of us um during the last Patriots Super Bowl that uh that were sitting around and realizing there was something like um between between writers and photographers, um and that didn't include Mark Bertrand who'd been there all all week and and Mark's a UMass alum too and and did a ton of WMUA. WMUA, but, yeah, uh, legend. He just wasn't in, he wasn't in the room that we were in at the time. There was something like nine of us that had collegian, you know, had collegian ties, um, and like I, I made a little like uh, I made a little um, just a little like photo thing to, using people's uh, using people's uh, bylines and and photos and things from it at the at the time. But it was it was fun because it it did it just it felt like 
we there are a lot of us there for different eras but at the same time um we definitely shared some sort of a uh common experience um (laughs) that's awesome I'm holding for I'm for since it's yeah. audio for people. I'm holding. I'm just holding up Sean Nathan now. But um, it was, it is. It's, it's. I don't know if it's maybe it's not marketed the same way, but it it really is. If you go to UMass with some talent and a desire to get better and get good, it's there for you. It's it's there for you as much as as much as it is anywhere. I'd be remiss, by the way, if I didn't go back and shout out Mike Corey as well, who uh, is now with ESPN and has done a lot to help out WMUA kids uh, in particular. Mike was there with our, Mike was there when yeah. I was there. My, Mike and Mike and I cross over quite a bit. Mike and Mike and I, I always get excited when we run into each other at events, which which we've done quite a bit. It was very cool to be uh, broadcasting women's hoops for WMUA, uh, which was the the flagship for women's hoops for the A10 championship game in. 2021 with Mike Corey at four seats to my right because Mike Corey was the last person to call a UMass women's basketball championship 20 I think it was like 23 years before me so that was a very cool like full circle kind of moment but um you graduate UMass and what was the job search like for you at that time so uh this amusingly does come uh around to women's basketball a little bit um I was my senior year. The men's basketball team was in the the that was you know, the big the big NCAA tournament run that led to the Final Four, and um, since I wasn't the collegiate person covering it, I was trying. Um, the men and women were both in the NCAA tournament, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was covering it was covering uh, the games for the collegiate. And I just wanted to like I wanted to. She was covering the women's tournament for the collegian, and then um, and then I forget exactly what she was doing at the men's tournament because it wasn't her. It wasn't her beat yet. But um, I was just basically I did this a lot when I was in college. I would call I would cold call places that I thought weren't going to cover an event that I wanted to cover and see if I could make you know make a you know fifty bucks in beer money to to do something and get to be at, at a cool event. So the UMass women's UMass women's team is playing in the NCAA tournament at UConn. Um, and, and I, I knew that the recorder in Greenfield, what didn't usually send anybody to the women's thing. So I, I called up and was basically like, Hey, do you need someone to cover the, um, cover the women, NCAA women's tournament in Greenfield? And I mean, in, uh, at UConn and they said, we can't really cover the women's tournament. We haven't like with everything going on with the men's, you know, we'll we'll ignore the 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 obvious like sexism that's happening in this scenario, but but you know we're not covering the men's. We can't really go cover the women's. And I said, you guys aren't covering the men's NCAA tournament this year. They said, yeah, no, we're not. I said, I'll do that. <laughs> and so I basically jumped in the car with the collegiate kids and covered the covered that tournament for the Greenfield Recorder. Um, and I guess did a good job because. A couple of weeks later, as I'm close to graduating, they reached out to me and asked me about it, asked me about a job. And I still had a girlfriend at UMass at the time. I was like, staying in Western Mass, that'd be ideal. So I did one year at the Recorder, and then the Gazette, the Daily Hampshire Gazette, had two openings at the time. It was a high school opening and the job covering UMass open. And I had interned there before, 
I applied for both jobs, hoping to get the UMass job. They hired me for the high school job, and the guy that was covering the covering UMass for them, it didn't the it didn't work out for a couple of reasons. I was promoted like six months into working there and covered and then covered UMass for twenty years. <laughs> well, that's the dream. Yeah. Was it were the what was it like? You know, being really like a young professional in a place where people presumably knew you from your previous four years there. I think it was most, I think it was mostly a, um, a good thing. It was, it was challenging at first to like, to have, I think a little bit to have people think of you as an adult and I, and that, and, um, and I think that was all that I think that was, I think that was probably even in my head too much when, um, when I'm in my, in, in my early twenties, like just wanting to be, taken seriously and at that point the globe the herald uh, the springfield republican all had um you know all had full-time umass beat writers that traveled and and so forth it was really it was trying to get my feet wet be competitive but the daily Hampshire gazette had done a really good job on that beat before i got there with marty dobrow and it meant a lot to me to kind of keep that going and at the same time kind of prove that i had earned it so um and so I think uh, I, I think it was it was it gave me a comfort level at the beginning, and certainly I think to 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 some degree the people covering the team for for the other outlets were older, and that gave me a little bit more natural rapport. I think with some of the athletes who were close to my own age, um, but uh, it, it was at, at the beginning it was it was a little bit of of trying. Uh, I remember. I remember two distinct moments. One, sitting at A10 Media Day, realizing I'm the youngest professional writer here. And then years later, looking around and realizing that I was the person who had been on the, that had been covering the A10 the longest. It was, and, and um, to some degree, it didn't feel like there was that much time between those things. I feel like I had gone from young to old very quickly. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I definitely get it too, because it's, it's weird, like, Obviously, this is now my sixth year on the UMass campus, and it's a little bit weird. I had this moment um, recently, and then not to derail us too much, but I had this moment where I was directing a broadcast last week, and I was like, why are these kids, like, why, why are these people, like, listening to me? And then I realized, oh, they're 18, 19 years old, and I've, I'm like, an, I've, I've been graduated for, like, two years, like, I'm an adult to them um and it's it, i always had I think a beard it, which helped me the, the beard yeah. always helped me I was if looking, i could if i, I could i would but you know <laughs> um but no it's just like it, it is it is a little bit weird when you're when you're in the same place in a different role and i think it's it's partly internal and it's partly external it's partly okay do i believe that i belong and then it's partly how do i act uh in the way that shows that but it's it's a, it's an interesting uh concept uh, you mentioned you know you were on the beat at umass for two decades um or yeah. at, at, Journalism has obviously evolved a lot. And you were talking about how, you know, the, the Herald and the Globe and the Recorder all had people who were full-time UMass beat writers who were traveling. And nowadays, there is kind of a dearth of that, of that type of coverage, not just for UMass, but really all over the country as the media landscape changes. What are those changes like for you as far as how sports are covered right now? Well, I, I can say this. One of the real uh, draws for moving to Mass Live from the, the Daily Hampshire Gazette was Mass Live ha at, kind of at all time has a plan for both today, tomorrow, and five years from now. And, the, and through through the company and, and being 
being a digital digital journalism uh, outlet, um, kind of on some of the, the the cutting edge of the of the way that we do things, and we do. Um, there's four of us going to Germany with the Patriots, and and and, and like so we're we're traveling and um and doing you know, we're we're doing the coverage the way you'd want to do the coverage from a you know from financially we're, we've we've invested in it um and and so i think yes a ton of things have changed um between i remember i remember starting uh i remember starting a the uh umass blog when that was brand new i remember start on the daily hampshire gazette site having the blog as part of the coverage and and I, we had a, we had a UMass sports coverage, Facebook account before there was Twitter and before most people had done that sort of stuff. We, we, we tried, we kind of messed around and, and tried a lot of things would be the, the concept of putting stories online immediately and, and, and the, the change in deadlines and the change in, in, in the way a lot of those things work, that stuff definitely changed. But as far as today, day goes i really like i'm excited about where i am and where mass live is in terms of we we do cover a lot of things pretty ex extensively i mean there there are three people sitting in foxborough today for for patriots coverage from from uh, from our staff and i'm not one of them today like like um and well yeah I was, there were three of us at the at the celtics um at the celtics meet at celtics media day on on monday and i practice on on tuesday and and more of us like so it's been it's been really mass live has been a great place I and mean, there's a lot of umass people there which has been fun too uh it's been a great place to work as far as as far as that goes because as far as the changing face of journalism it's it's been it's been it's been really good because i feel like we're i feel like we're on top of it we're not chasing it and that's that's there's so many people right now that are chasing it and and i feel really lucky to be a part of of, of a place that that's kind of dictating it and then you you see other outlets kind of looking at what we're doing and 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 trying to mimic it who is your your favorite interview on the umass side either a player or a coach favorite interview on the umass i'm, I'm thinking right now that i bet there's a lot that, uh, you know, depending on, on on who listens to this there's a lot of people that think they should be the answer here but uh let's see who would be my favorite I interviewed over a long period of time. I always like talking to Greg Canella, and I I think his perspective on the history of his program and his the evolution of of of, of the athletes themselves. Um, I thought he was really good. There's a there's a lot of like single athletes that were that were like funny or, or interesting. Luke Bonner stands out as somebody that was that was really entertaining. A lot of times. Um, there's a lot of athletes that were unintentionally funny um, over the over the years that were that that was kind of uh, good. But I would say if if I'm if I'm stacking up over a, a long period of time, I I always enjoy and look forward to Greg Canell. I didn't interview Russ Yarworth nearly as much. It wasn't part of my you know part of my thing as much. But, but former men's swimming and water polo coach during my time, Russ Yarworth was was. Uh, was always terrific but there's there's uh there's certainly been uh there's certainly been a, a a good group of them athletes and coaches what was your what was the craziest umass event that you covered craziest umass event 
Um, I'm going to give you three. Uh, I covered the 15 inning softball game, or that that uh, that went that went deep into the the night for a chance to go to go to super regionals between UMass and Washington. That was outstanding. It was really fun. UMass lost it, lost it, but it, it was just every inning that went on, you you felt like you were uh, you were watching something something cool. And I, I ended up covering uh, a really long world series game afterward. And I was joking with somebody, I'm the only person right now in my head that's comparing this to a UMass Washington softball game. Um, uh, Elaine Sortina, by the way, would also be on my list of one of my favorite people that I inter- interviewed over the years. Um, the UMass main hockey East championship game that went three overtimes was a really, was a really compelling game because UMass won the game. They would have been going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. They lose the game. The season's over. And the difference between those, the, the, the sort of the, the high wire you're walking between between your, the dream season and a devastating loss was really compelling to watch as it happened. Um, I'm sure UMass fans hate that game because they, they, they <laughs> lost it, but, but it was, it was, it was a really, it was a watching on both sides, both teams to, to, to watch the, the sort of the, the, the character of those guys as they just kept coming out into the ice to try on both teams, teams trying to, trying to win an amazing game. And I'm, I'm sure they knew it as it was happening that yeah, I can't believe that this game is still going. Can't believe that they're part of it, but probably the, um probably the greatest game. And I come back, I'll come back to lacrosse again was the game that put UMass was at the game was at Stony Brook. It was UMass against Hofstra. And to go to the the first lacrosse final four in, in program history and UMass scored um they had to score like three goals in the last minutes to tie it and won the game in overtime um and it was just like Hofstra you're sitting there in the room in the in the press room and, and people are already talking Hofstra fans are making their travel plans for the for for the final four and and talking about everything that was coming and, and what the year that they'd had. And I can't believe, you know, they're this final four for Hofstra. And then to just watch the whole thing flip in a matter of seconds was, it was just, it was incredible to watch it. And so to have um, Brett Garber, the grandson of the, the coach that the field was named after score, the game winning goal there on that was just, it, it was you always root in in my job. You always root for an interesting story, and that there are so many elements that all came to play into you know into that the kind of filled the pie pieces to to make it complete was was incredible that day. And that that, that for during my time at UMass, there are a lot of a lot of great basketball games, a lot of great hockey games, a lot of great you know everything, a lot of great football games. Um, but that lacrosse game will stand out in my head forever. What was it like traveling as a student at that time? Like, what was the what was your day to day like covering teams? It was kind of crazy. Like, you couldn't, you almost couldn't believe that somebody was like, you'd just go sit down at a restaurant and just slide a, a credit card across the table, and it's not your problem. <laughs> like, I remember thinking that that uh, I used to try to find, um, and this is before you could, before some of this was all that easy to do. It was always like, all right, what's the best barbecue restaurant in uh, in wherever wherever I was. Um, and so that was, it was fun. It it was fun. Like you see, especially, um, 
I cover uh, I covered UMass Montana football out there, like places in the country that you're just never gonna see. Oh, the barbecue and beer in Missoula must have been tremendous. Uh, so I don't even remember if we, I don't think we got ended up getting barbecue in there, but beer definitely was. But we sitting at this old cowboy bar, um, that like, and they're they're pointing out on the bar places where the cowboys used to just like run the, the their quarter up against the table. There's like little grooves in the bar. It's the same bar that was there from like in the 1800s. Um, so it was it was I've seen a lot of the country that I never would have have gotten to see and, and like some sometimes that's that was maui which was incredibly cool um and then and sometimes that's like uh natchitoches louisiana which is like a strange place but you my general feel for the united states as a place is so much better because of of having done that and having like been in some of these college towns and in, in strange places that that was, was really interesting it was really fun that I mean, oh, and you're going to Germany, which has to be. Are you are you one of the ones who's going to Germany? By I am, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got to be exciting from a uh, from a vibes perspective. It's not quite Oktoberfest, but maybe it will be when you're there. It's uh, after it's it's after Oktoberfest and before they start doing the Christmas markets. Unfortunately, like like I, I'm right in the in the middle of two of the more interesting things. In fact, I'm not gonna give it. I'm not gonna give it to you yet because I think I have a story. I have a story idea that I'm going to do over there that is UMass related that I'm not saying out loud because I don't want anyone to know that it exists. But when I'm done with it, it's, there's somebody you might find that would be, might be good for a uh, for for an interview on on this. I'm I'm uh, I'm all ears uh, as well. Um, here talking with uh, with Matt Mater, so many places that that we could go, but I'm curious. You know, obviously NIL a big thing nowadays. Uh, as a journalist, what is it like covering the world of of NIL right now, if you cover it at all? Uh, so not a ton. Like it, it, it's it has. Um, I've thought a lot about if I still had my old job, just how much um, that would be. That would be dominating. By the way, can you? Is my dog? Can you hear him in the background? Is he losing his mind? So I can close the door if he is. No, and, and okay, frankly, good. if I were, it would just add to the ambiance. So. <laughs> he's he's barking like a maniac right now. But as long as you can't hear it. Uh, so I think it's I think it is fascinating from a, when you look at recruiting and you think about it, when you think about it because you hear you hear all of these these stories but like if you look at like the University of Missouri football right now the players some of the players they're getting because of the way their collective is targeting some elite elite football players that's that's changing that program in in, in a way and so it's it's really interesting about you have to have not only the the you not only have to have like the a, a base of donors you have to have kind of some some really good leadership in and how to do and figuring out okay how are you spread it how are you spreading that money around who's it going to to what's a, kind of a creative way of looking at it to figure out because like it's not just having the money although that obviously matters but it's it's figuring out how to distribute that money or use that money correctly to 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 pick the right guys and and um it's it's something that, that has strikes me as really interesting i'm um i'm curious uh i'll be curious to see what does it look like in five years what does it look like in 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 10 years what does it look like in in 20 years and, and how will it change college athletics as a whole and, and i'm not boots on the ground the same way that I used to be to have a, have a great guess, but I am interested to watch. 
if you had an NIL deal as Matt Vitor of the Collegian back in the day, what company are you hitting up to to represent? It would have had to have been, you know, some some kind of some kind of razor product or beard beard maintenance of some kind. <laughs> if you looked at me when I was at the Collegian, the jokes were always that I, you know, that that I looked like an old man because I like I had a beard pretty like about a month into college i quit shaving um and i had a beard most of my most in fact if any of you look in uh look in pictures from the last game at the cage we had pretty good seats that day and it's a whole bunch of like people in white and then you can see this one you know doofy freshman with a thick black beard my beard's all gray now but with a thick black beard if you look at old old pictures of the uh, of that game at the cage you can see me in it with the beard. So it would have had to have been when I was in college, it would have had to have been some something uh something something beard related would it would have been been my sponsor probably. I, I can confidently say that I think we've done almost like 30 of these now and you're the first person to give that answer, which I can appreciate. <laughs> everyone has their everyone has their thing, right? And like if that's something that's gonna improve your day-to-day quality of life, like we will get Gillette, although maybe a conflict of interest there, but we will get Gillette you know, to, to toss you a, a box or two <laughs> nowadays. Um, that's actually, a, this is a, a different question than what I was going to ask. I'm changing it up on the fly, but are you able to enjoy sports as a fan anymore? Like, how do you consume sports when you're not in work mode? It's funny. Um, there was a, there was an incident, my, right, my, like day before, uh, there was an, uh, a story that came out in the, in the in the Globe, and we won't get deep into it um, here, but the, right before I started covering the basketball team for the Collegiate, like it came out like right before Media Day, and so it was at, at Media Day that day, and it was definitely like team on one side, media on the other side, and so I got, um, and even though like I, even though I had like classes with Lou Rowe, it didn't matter that. At that point, we were we were definitely both college students, but in a different in a different situation, and so that wasn't hard for me to. It, I understood very quickly the difference between being a fan and being a a, a journalist, and that's why I do still very much enjoy sports. I like the stories. I like finding an, an interesting story. So I, I I can watch a game and find it really interesting even if the the result is not going to uplift or damage my mood necessarily. Um, I definitely, like, I definitely watch the World Cup as a fan. And I'm not, like, I'm not one of those soccer guys that were, like, I don't have, you know, I don't have, like, Syria, like, you know, uh, TV package or whatever, so I can see, you know, I'm not that guy. But But I do enjoy anything country versus country. I am... A university in the, and uh, from way back, a University of Colorado football fan, um, <clears throat> which stems from uh, in the nineteen ninety Orange Bowl. As a kid, my dad would always sit down and and root for. If I was watching a game on TV, he would sit down and root for the other team just to mess with me. My dad was a Notre Dame fan. The nineteen ninety Orange Bowl is Colorado Notre Dame for the national championship, and I did it to him just to mess with it. Him and I kind of um just got into it i liked that colorado team and so i i'm to, to say that like i would just be an unabashed fan of anything my brain is still i'm watching something and thinking about what would i write if i was covering it but 
it is right now kind of interesting with everything going on in Colorado with with Deion Sanders and and so forth that I, I can build a Saturday around watching a game a little a, a little bit and that's and I don't have a I would say I say this I don't have a particular uh, writing interest in it yet uh, I am randomly writing about Caleb, uh, I'm writing this week about Caleb Fourier uh, the son of the um, former Patriot uh, who is now on the on the radio at EEI. He plays at Colorado, and I'm writing about him and about playing for Dion. So it all still comes back to the journalism for me. But I'm still I'm a fan of sports. I'm a fan of great games. I'm a fan of great stories. Uh, it probably just comes it. It's wired in my head a little bit differently than the way than the way people think it would be. If you could make one change to any sport, any rule change, any any systemic change what would it be any <laughs> oh there's a i'm sure there's a better answer that i would have to take some time and think about but uh, i hate that you can call timeout and advance the ball to half court in an nba game it doesn't make any sense to me it's totally illogical that that somehow a timeout moves moves the ball um and i think if you pass the ball to me in a situation where I'm wide open, so wide open that I'm going to have an easy basket unless I get fouled. If I get fouled, if I get fouled and I go to the line and make free throws, you should get an assist for that because you set up the play. Even though uh, I'm I'm making free throws instead of making a basket, I think you should get an assist for that. So that's been in my head for a long time. It is ma- uh, massively unimportant thing. So I'd, I'd have to think longer about it. To no, give that's a better ex- answer, no, but that's that, exactly but that, the kind of answer that I was looking for. Like something completely esoteric, like 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 I don't Like we're every time I think of it, yeah. Like like every time I think it bugs me. It's ballparks are no longer allowed to play Sweet Caroline. Or um, it's funny. I'm actually I'm totally like I'm the sports writer. I I don't lo- like I don't like the song. I don't. I, I think the the song itself is creepy. Yep. I don't understand people that get so worked up about Sweet Caroline because. At the ball part of the ballpark experiences, there are people there that are going to 50 games a year. There are people that go to 10 games a year. There are people that go to five games a year, and there are people that are going to Fenway Park one time. This is their one Fenway Park experience, and they want to go and get every bit of the 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 Fenway deal. They want to see a ball hit Pesky's pole. They want to uh, eat a Fenway Frank. They want to walk over and take a picture from the top of the green monster. And they want to hear sweet Caroline because that's part of the Red Sox experience. And, and people that get, they get bent out of shape about hearing a song because the Red Sox happened to be losing in the eighth inning. I could not like, who cares? Like if this is part of that experience and just because it's not your experience today, doesn't mean that isn't somebody's experience in the park. And so you want to play sweet Caroline? I'm going to roll my eyes at it, but I'm going to know that there's somebody at the park, somebody that may not even be a big baseball fan that just wants that as a checkoff part of their American experience and do it. And good for you. I have no, pro- yeah. I have no problem with that whatsoever. The- I think it, it, yeah, it overshadows the fact that Tessie is a great song. People don't think <laughs> about it when it comes to, cause it's not first or second on their mind when it comes to Fenway park experiences. Cause obviously it's after dirty water uh, in a Red Sox win. Tessie, is probably the only one of those three songs that I would legitimately put on in my car if I was going for a drive. It's funny. It's it, 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 it is unless you listen to, and I like the Dropkick Murphys. I'm a Dropkick Murphys guy, but 
You read the lyrics to that song. song. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. I think that one doesn't have the same lore because it hasn't been happening long enough. And musically enough, people think Sweet Caroline's been being played at Fenway Park since like the 60s. It hasn't. Sweet Caroline became part of the Fenway experience in like 2000 or like 2001 it's not it's it's not that deep of part of it either i i uh that's that's a definite dr charles steinberg larry lucchino era uh addition to 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 the fenway canon two more questions for you sure. best press box food that you've had um they ha so uh you math 1999 one double football tournament they had barbecue at georgia southern it was ribs and in pulled pork and and it was it was it was outstanding that's an um, instant and that took zero seconds for you to come to your mind i'm a big barbecue I feel like, guy i feel like you've thought about that you've thought about this barbecue at least 10 times since you've had I'm it i'm not i'm not fat by accident here let's let's be honest um and so then there's um uh during the during the stanley cup finals the bruins and the blues the, the cities end up for their like media food somehow end up like in this competition with each other that's going on. And so uh, in, in like a three day period, they had lobster at the garden and then they had barbecue again at St. Louis, which they had an actual like pig roast going on in St. Louis, which was, um, which was delicious too. So I, I would say, uh, I would say one of those certainly, certainly fits in there, but I had never had anything like press box food wise until that Georgia Southern went to have that barbecue that day. It was just like, wow. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds pretty incredible. Maybe you should get Georgia Southern on the schedule again in a decade and <laughs> we'll see. Um, but the, the last question for you, we've been asking everyone this question is UMass basketball is down one at the end of a game. You've got 15 seconds left. Mike Williams. Uh, yep. <laughs> instant answer that's yeah. been that's been our that's been that's definitely been the mode um as far as answers that we've gotten but i think that says a lot about uh who mike williams is yeah was, anybody that was anybody that was that, that saw him in those situations he was gonna make that shot he never missed one of those shots like like he just he was gonna he was gonna make that shot and he did it in a, a few different places a few different ways he, he hit he hit three pointers that were pure he hit them that were that were banked he had a you know pull up in the lane at one point and things. Mike Williams was going to make a big shot and and Mike Williams might have was, was going to make a was going to make ten dumb plays over the course of the game, which was the reason you were you were down one point late. But Mike was Williams was going to make that shot in the in the, in the late spot. That's a great answer and a great way of contextualizing it too, as someone who never got to to see him play. Uh, if people wanted to find you or your work, where can they do that? Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm on Mass Live and 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 uh, and fairly uh, fairly easy to to find there. I'm on Twitter uh, at Matt Votor four two four because I've not have not been able to convince the guy who's just at Matt Votor to uh, and never tweets to give it up. Um, and that's that's probably the uh, that those are probably the the easiest easiest ways to do it. I'm I'm on. Uh, was it threads now? But I, I don't. I have to think to, before posting it there. So un until Twitter blows up, uh, I'm th those are the two easiest places. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for for hopping on today. I uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, from covering every sport, every <laughs> no team uh, known to man. And uh, thanks for sharing uh, everything about your journey here.
Uh, this is uh, a great series that we have going on. Uh, and it's uh, for those of you who are listening, if you have a story that you want to share, feel free to hit one of us up, uh, whether it's me or or Pat or just email the collective. Um, and we would love to to have more uh, more stories. If there are things that we don't know that we're missing, uh, feel free to fill us in. But I've been Nathan Strauss from Avatar. Uh, we will talk to you later on. This is Commonwealth Conversations every day, Minuteman stories. As always, uh, join the collectives and uh, go UMass, and we'll talk to you next time. UMass fans, gear up for game day and support our partners who back the collective in UMass. Make your game day complete with visits to Joe's Cafe in Northampton, JP's in Holyoke, The Spoke in Amherst, and any of the four tandem locations in Western Mass. Let's show our support. Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.